0: God's invitation to come to the fire and be transformed by His grace through this message by Beth Coppage. I think we all better stand up and read scripture. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Would you turn to John 20 and 21? And we're going to start at verse 19. The same day at evening, before the first day of the week, when the doors were shut and locked, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the G- Jews, Jesus came. And he were overjoyed when they saw Jesus. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you. At the fa- As the Father has sent me, so send I you. And he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they will be retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said, We've seen Jesus. And he said, unless I see his hands and the prints of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And eight days later, his disciples were again in the upper room and Jesus came and the doors being shut. And they stood, he stood in their midst, and he said, Peace be unto you. And they said, And then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand down and put it into my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believe. And Thomas called and said, cried out and said, My Lord and my God. Thomas, Jesus said, You have believed because you have seen. Blessed are those who have believed and have not seen. Chapter 21, and after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples, and he did it this way. Simon Peter, and the, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin Nathanael and Cana, the sons of Zebedee, said, and the others. Simon said to them, I'm going fishing, and they said, we'll go with you, And they went out and immediately got into the boat that night, and they didn't catch a thing. But when the morning had come, Jesus came and stood on the shore, and the disciples didn't recognize him and didn't know that it was Jesus. And he said, children, do you have any food? And they answered him, no. He said, cast your net on the other side. And they cast it in him when they were not able to draw in the multitude of fishes. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, Oh, Lord, you know I have affection for you. It's the Greek word filial. And he said, Feed my lambs. And then Jesus said to him again, Simon, son of Jonah, Do you love me? He said, Oh, Lord, you know I have affection for you. And Jesus said, Tend my sheep. And then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said it to him the third time. And he said, You know all things, Lord. You know I have affection for you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not want to go, thus signifying this death that, by which he would glorify God. And Jesus said to him, follow me. And then Peter turned around And saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he said, Lord, what about him? And Jesus said, if I will that he remain until I come, you follow me. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to invite you tonight to come. You're already here. And we pray that you would take your word and you would divide it and open it to our hearts and you would free the inner places of our souls. And Jesus, we ask that tonight we would know when we leave this place that we have been with God. And we ask for transformation tonight. We pray for no warm fuzzies, but we pray that the miracle of all miracles will occur tonight in the life of women's hearts where we will say yes to you and we will take up the cross and deny our own self-will and just become a yes to Jesus. We would follow you. Would you come now, Holy Spirit? Would you teach us? Would you open up the word to us? We don't want to ever be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. I have the best news in the world for you tonight. I want to tell you tonight about the incredible gift that the, Holy, of, that the Father has promised. And it is the gift of His Holy Spirit. And do you know what the Holy Spirit does when He comes into your life or my life? He restores the glory of God remember what Romans three twenty three says it says in our translation in English for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God but do you know what the Greek there is it isn't come short that's like bootstrap religion it is we have lost the glory of God because when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden it was never God's intention that they would live without a personal relationship with him it was by their choice and they lost his presence the glory is the presence of Jesus and you and I have lost the glory of God we no longer know the intimacy of living in his presence so God wants to restore the glory and it is done by the person and work of the Holy Spirit When the Holy Spirit comes into your life and my life, he restores the image of God. Do you know how many times we talk and we say, oh, I did that or that wrong. But you know, after all, I'm only human. That is not what God ever intended. To be human does not mean to sin. We were created in the image of God and we were created not for sin, but for God himself. And God wants to come by the power of the Spirit and restore the image of God in your life and my life. So the real Beth, the real you. He wants to make into new person so that you and I are free to represent and bear the likeness of Jesus. And what is the likeness of Jesus? It is that he lived in humility and in deep dependence on the Father. So we actually draw our life out of the life of the God, of God himself. When the Holy Spirit comes, he restores the purposes of God. I love this one so that the reason for you, which he made you and he made me and he thought about us before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1 says, He wants to come and he has a purpose for every life in this room. And he wants to restore us to the purposes of God so that we become carriers of the presence of Jesus into a lost and turbulent and violent world. And he can't do it unless you and I are all his, 100%. And the authenticity of our call is the marks of the cross in our lives. Jesus is coming tonight to talk to us. And I want to tell you tonight that Jesus wants to come and fill us as his people with the gift that he has given, and that gift from the Father is the Holy Spirit. I have a precious friend in Georgia that about twice a year sends me a card and a little word of encouragement, and then she always stuffs into the card special things that she thinks might help me, and they always do. And just recently I got one of these dear letters and in the letter was this every morning this clipping and so I read it and it's by Stanley Tam he's a Christian businessman who's given his business to God so he lives on 10 percent and gives God 90 and so he's given millions of dollars to the cause of Christian missions around the world and I read it I'd like to read it to you every morning Ask God for divine wisdom to make divine decisions. Do the same for every family member and those with whom you work, and you will immediately see a great reduction in your problems. Number two, you have only one enemy, and when he has lost you out of his family because you have become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then he has only one goal, And that goal is to cripple you and make you useless for Jesus. Every morning, bind the evil one by the power of the word, the blood of the lamb, and the authority you have as a Christian. And then name every family member and bind the evil one from their lives and their situations. Bind the home home, your car, your vocation, your social life, your finances, those you work with. Do it out loud because the enemy isn't omnipresent. And you will begin to see a releasing of the presence and the power of Jesus into impossible situations and into the lives of those you know and love. Well, I was intrigued by that. And I was especially intrigued by the one sentence. The devil's main goal is to cripple you and make you useless for the purposes of God. Do you know what, ladies, I believe that is absolutely true? that you and I can come so that we become believers in Jesus and ask Jesus into our lives, and we give him our heart. But then we never enter into all the fullness of God that he has provided in the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and we live crippled lives, and we can see that in the disciples so that the purposes for which God created you and he created me are never fulfilled. They are aborted because the enemy is in an abortion business before birth and after birth. trying to keep us from all the fullness of God for which Jesus died. So we see as we look at the disciples tonight, they had been with Jesus. Three years they had spent in his presence. They liked Jesus. They left all to follow Jesus. They listened to him preach. They'd watched his miracles. And they'd even cast out demons in the name of Jesus. But when push came to shove and when the cross got into the picture, they had no categories for the cross. They didn't want a gospel with a cross. And do you know what? If you and I are gut level honest, we don't want the cross either. We want Jesus to perform for us, but we do not want Jesus to come so he is allowed to be God in our lives and that we worship him as God. And we say, Jesus, I will follow you no matter what. God is looking tonight for lovers. He is looking for those of us who will love him, heart, mind, soul, body, and spirit. And do you know what? The church tonight, I find very few lovers of Jesus. We will work for him. We will do our programs for him. But those of us who will allow God to be God, they are very few. So no wonder there are four billion people tonight who barely know the name of Jesus or don't know it at all. God wants to get some of us so we get our hearts squeaky clean. We get filled with the Holy Spirit so we're not impotent like the disciples were. The disciples came, and Jesus came into the shut doors of their life. Jesus hadn't performed for them the way they wanted. The doors were shut and locked, and they were huddled there in fear, all their dreams around their feet. And Jesus came absolutely no condemnation in Jesus not one word he said peace i give unto you my peace and then they knew who he was by the scars you and i don't want the scars you and i don't want to have the suffering and the identification with the suffering savior you want god to work for us and i and we want him to perform for us but we want, don't want to say jesus we are willing to follow the way of the crucified one and jesus said peace be unto you and he was identified by his scars and then jesus said as the father has sent me so send i you and then he breathed on him he breathed on him that resurrection breath that breathed life into adam and eve The breath of God that breathed life into the dry bones in Ezekiel 37, so the dead, dry bones were lifted up and life came. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And there's a longing in the heart of God for you and I to get so full of Him and die to our own self-centeredness, not our personhood, not your personhood, not my bestness, but my self willness that I want what I want when I want it. And he wants to transform us so that we are no longer I-centered, but we are Jesus-centered. And then Jesus can come and fill us with himself. I want to know tonight, has God, have you ditched Jesus because he hasn't performed for you? The disciples did and they were huddled together in fear in an upper room because God hadn't worked the way they thought. But then the shock of all shocks was they hadn't performed the way they thought they would either. They couldn't sit through a prayer meeting with him in Gethsemane. They all vowed they'd stay with him, but when the chips were down, everybody ran away. Peter said, I'll be with you to the end, Jesus, and denies him three times and swears to boot. Because there's no capacity in you or in me to live for Jesus, even if he has come into our hearts, to be all gods and to be able to live when the pressures of life come so that the sweetness of God is evident in our lives do you know what has to happen you and I have to let the knife of the cross come into our hearts you know what I found this many years ago I put it in our prayer journal because I think it says it better than anything else for me personally Holy Spirit Apply the knife of the cross to every bit of the old life in me. Wherever you can see it, in the places where I do not know it, isn't that true? They thought they'd be brave and they weren't. Especially deep down into secret pride. Pray the Lord to keep the knife of the cross applied to every part of your being, your cleverness of intellect, your self-confidence, your sympathies, your affections. Let the knife of the cross be used by God at all time. Not yesterday, but today. This means keeping the material which the enemy can fasten upon out of his way. The bullet proved place of victory is only being known through the knife of the cross. Being kept continually applied to the old creation, day by day. O precious flame of God in the heart, the flame of God that comes to burn out sin and to burn in holiness. I believe in a Savior who does not only deal with the guilt of sin and the power of sin, but takes away the love of sin and puts in its place a flame of passion for God For charity, for holiness, for Jesus, for souls, and for the world. You know what the disciples needed? They needed to let Jesus put the knife of the cross into their selfish, self-centered will. Do you know what the biggest miracle in history is? Is when one person allows God to do that in their life. Jesus came and confronted Thomas's unbelief. Thomas says, I'm not gonna believe. They all gave their testimony. Said, Jesus came, we saw him. And there may be some of you who are sitting here and say, Well, that Jesus stuff may work for you, but I've tried it and it doesn't work for me. And Jesus came personally to Thomas that night, and he came and addressed him personally, and he said, Blessed are those who believe who have not even seen me, Thomas. And Thomas worshiped and said, My Lord and my God, are there any of you tonight that are struggling with unbelief? And then he comes. And they said, well, Jesus hasn't worked the way I thought. I've waited long enough to do it God's way. I'm going to just ditch Jesus and go back to what I know best. I'm going fishing. <laughs> you may think, and Kiki addressed this, when she said, 10 years is a long time to wait. the a second go around. And so Peter said, I'm going fishing. But do you know, every time you and I do that, we begin to invest our lives in things that will not count, and there was absolute sterility in their lives when they went back to doing it their old way. And if you were gut-leveled on us tonight, I want to know. Is your life counting for eternity? Is your life counting for God? When you get into the presence of the eternal God, which everyone in the human race will be there one day, will you have a life full of regrets? And will the purposes of God have been crippled in your life because the knife of the cross has never entered into your self-will? Is there sterility in your life? Or do you know the fruitfulness of a heart that's all God's? And then Jesus comes to the question of all questions. And he says, Peter, do you love me 150% with all your heart? Peter can't say that. He says, well, Jesus, I have affection for you. (laughs) I like you. (laughs) But not 100%. Jesus said, I'm sad about that because I have a job for you to do. (laughs) I want you to take care of my sheep. Jesus comes to him again and again until Peter's heart's grieved. And I believe tonight Jesus is right here, just like he was in that upper room. And he says, do you love me more than these? Your career, your husband, yourself your children, your hobbies? What is the passion of your soul? And then he said, follow me. Now what has intrigued me as I've worked through this passage is that do you know what the last part of the book of John is? And this, I think, makes be the hardest thing to die. right there's only two closing verses before this beautiful book ends and it's Peter saying well God what about him because he was threatened by his best friends he wanted to make sure that John wasn't getting a better deal than he was ladies that gives a clear indication of how broken and self-absorbed we are until God comes and sets us free by the power of the Spirit. Do you know we don't even have the capacity to love our children the way we should until the Spirit of God fills our life because we love our children because they are an extension of ourselves and we love ourselves. And ladies, that is sheer, utter bondage and that is crippling all the power of God that He has for you. God wants to come so that you and I aren't always having to outdo even our best friends and always being number one, and our lives aren't threatened by other people or filled with envy or jealousy or hurt feelings or being offended, but we can rejoice when another is lifted up. All we care about is that Jesus is glorified, and we praise him when God begins to bring more people to praise and worship him. Jesus knew they had a problem, and he brought the disciples to the place where they even knew they had a problem. And Jesus wants to bring us to that It's Jesus, have you given up on him because he isn't performing the way you want? Have you just been filled with unbelief? I've tried God, but he hasn't worked. I've waited long enough on God. He's not come through yet. I'm going fishing. Or I just, I love you, Jesus, but I can't love you with all my heart. That's just too much to ask. And God wants to come to you and I tonight. And he said, do you love me tonight more than these? And so that you set your heart to follow Jesus, even to the death. And that's when they got to that place. Then Jesus said to him before in Acts 1, the rest of the story And 2. Jesus came and he said, you have heard me. Tron truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. But don't wiggle from Jerusalem until you're filled with the Holy Spirit because you will not help the cause of Christ. You will just be a stumbling block and a hypocrite because without the indwelling presence of Jesus, you and I can make great claims like the disciples did, but we cannot walk the walk and talk the talk. The beauty of the Holy Spirit is he integrates you and I, so what comes out of our mouth is what's in our soul, and it is all about him. And so they waited, this time in an upper room, not in fear. Not in in frustration, not in disappointment, not in anger. But they waited in prayer and expectation in the upper room. And 10 days they waited for God. And then Jesus came by the power of the Holy Spirit in wind and fire. And he came and he filled them full of all the fullness of God. And those that cowered together in fear were set free. And she came, and Peter himself, the one who had denied him, stood up, and he preached a message, and 3,000 came. And he, they were able to speak in the language of the people that could were there, so they had the capacity to speak the glories of God in the heart language and soul to other people so they could hear. God, and then Peter preaches this great message, Joel 2. I will pour out my spirit upon you. Ladies, this isn't a sparse sprinkle. This is a lavish overflow. I will pour out my spirit on your sons, on your daughters, on your young men, on your old men, on your everybody. I will pour out my spirit. Is it available for every one of us if we will receive the gift of the Father? then Peter stood up and they said to him they said what do we do to be saved and he said repent because if you and I are to be filled with the Holy Spirit we must repent and what does that mean turn away from my sin and my way and say thy will be done like Jesus did in Gethsemane and then he said you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus what does that mean You need to be identified with Jesus. Like old Tata Siemens in India, a Hindu came and said, I need to be, I'm a Christian, I want to be baptized. He said, well, when's market day? He told him. He said, we're gonna baptize you (laughs) on market day in the little pool in front of your shop. And he said, what about my business? Then everybody will know I'm a Christian. That could hurt my business. And he said, are you ready to be identified enough with Jesus that even if your business is hurt, you are willing to belong to him? Those are the identification of the scars of Jesus. He said, will you be identified with Jesus? Will you turn from your sin? And then will you receive the promise of the Father, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit? In Ephesians 3, I love it, it says, Oh, that you might know the height, the width, the length, the breadth and the depth of the love of God and be filled with all the fullness of God. And then it's the now unto Him who will do exceedingly abundantly. The exceeding abundance comes out of you and I being willing to let the knife of the cross come into my selfish self-will until I say, Jesus, all of me, for all of you I was in Budapest, Hungary I was visiting Katie Beth our daughter there and she said, Mama, let's get some women together and we'll share so I spoke to some women in Budapest the next morning we got a call and a a German friend of Kate's called and said, I'm coming over, I want to talk to your mother, and she said I'm bringing you my baby, you keep my baby while I talk to your mother So we, the only one little room in the house where we could talk. It was a very small house. So we went into a little tiny bedroom, and we talked. And she said, what are you saying to me? She said, it's not enough to just ask Jesus into my heart. I've got to give him my will, too. And I said, yep, that's what I'm saying. You mean, so I have to let go of the control of my life and let Jesus run the show? That's what I'm saying. Woo! And she said, that's when you get all the fullness of God's glory in your soul? I said, that's when you do. Well, she said, let's pray. So I took her to Scripture, and we prayed. Next year, I was back in Budapest, Hungary. And and some other women got together, and we went to a women's conference. Next morning, Katie Beth gets a phone call said, I'm coming over there to see your mother again. And I've got two children I'm bringing. You keep my kids while I talk to your mama. (laughs) So we went in the little back room, and she goes, whoo. He said, I didn't quite get through last year. She said, it's hard to die. It's hard to just trust him with all of me for all of him. What will he do with me if I really give him all of me? So I worked with her, and we did scripture, and she prayed again and went home. The next year, I came back. (laughs) It's like Peter, three times. Next year, I came back, and she had a gathering in her home. She had 25 or 30 friends in her house. They said, talk to him. Tell him what you told me. So I sat in that international group of women, and the next morning she got a phone call, and she said, Katie Beth, I'm coming over. Didn't have any more babies, just two. She said, I got to talk to your mother. We went on the back patio, and then I just turned to Jesus in my heart and said, Jesus, I can't even help you out. I've done everything I know, I've said all I know, I've given all the scriptures I know. I can't help you out. How, what do you want to say to this precious, precious woman? Never had used this before, but he gave me John 14:15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you a comforter that he may abide with you forever that's the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and I will be in you I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you and I had her read those few scriptures and put her name in it. And when she came to the last verse, she began to sob. Her mama had died as a teenager. Her daddy had just died. And she said, he wants to come so I am no longer an orphan, but he will be my comforter and abide with me forever. I said, And that night, Jesus came, (laughs) and she was no longer hers, she was his. Do you know what the sanctified heart is? I no longer belong to myself, I belong to another, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus came that night, and he met her, and he filled her with all the glory of God. And so she was restored. She was restored to the glory of God because of His living presence. The image of God was restored. There was a capacity to bear the fruits of the Spirit because Jesus lived His life out in her. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And there was the capacity for the purposes of God to be filled in her life. I want to know tonight, Are you with Jesus? It's not enough to just be near him or have him even alongside of you. The disciples were that way three years. Or are you filled with Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit? So you're no longer yours. You're all his. And you're alone. Last August, we were in Africa, great privilege, and Billy, our son, lives in Uganda and up near the Sudan border in Arua, Uganda. And sometimes at night while we were there, there was no electricity. So it gets quite dark at 6.15 in the tropics. So I had taken two Yankee candles over for just prettiness, but, of course, we were using them to see. But you can't read a book by a Yankee candle, I'll tell you. (laughs) So I had sent, in May, they had had problems, so they didn't have electricity, so I had sent over a lantern. Thinking it might help. There weren't batteries there, so I'd sent a lantern over to help them. Anna. and so but I found myself when the electricity was out my lantern was returned and Billy gave it to me and he said mom maybe you can use this to get to the bathroom at night <laughs> I said oh cast your bread upon the water and there it comes back to you so I found myself at night I would just be waking up and cranking and cranking and cranking trying to find my way in an unfamiliar place and so I would crank and crank, and ladies, that's not a lot of light. And then wasn't too long after that, I was just cranking on my lantern every night. We went, on a r- we went to a game park, beautiful game park, and we took a ride on, down the Nile River. And we came to the beautiful Murchison Falls. And it was just plummeting. We were in Lake Albert, and it's just plummeting over from the Nile down into the lake. Just thousands of gallons of electric power. But no one had plugged it in. It hasn't been harnessed yet. So there in the dark every night, I was cranking away on my little light instead of being able to be plugged in to the power. I want to know tonight, are you a hand cranker? Or are you plugged into all the fullness of the eternal? could it be we're not touching a lost world and we're not flowing out to the Mediterranean Sea because you and I are sitting there cranking away on our little lanterns and we're not making any impact for God because we have let the evil one cripple us for the purposes of God for our lives. Jesus said tonight he said repent And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remissions of sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off and as many as who will call on the name of God. He wants to restore you to the glory of God that's what the Holy Spirit does. He wants to restore you to the image of God, so you live in dependence and deep humility upon the Father and in the likeness of Jesus. And He wants to restore to your life and my life the full purposes of God. I want to know, have you received the promise of the Father? Have